When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, all right, all right. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We got a gangbuster episodes, ladies and gents. A lot of action early in the offseason. We've got some trades. We got a departure of a beloved TV host there. Uh, get in the chat, like, and subscribe. <laughs> Let's go. I know it's the off season, but the Kings bring some noise today, and everybody in the chat's bringing some noise. Getting in here early, CJ. Good evening, gentlemen. Lots to discuss. Let's go. Carter scores. Who's back? Back again. Go Kings. Go. It's a pango. Give him a little woo. Same thing with Anthony Carrizo. Nav. LFG boys and Angel come with the Go Kings. Go. We got a lot of fans ready to go. I'm ready to go. How about you boys? Are you guys ready to go? Oh yeah, it's been a fun week, right? Busy has been already. Love it. How you guys been, man? It's been a couple weeks since we talk. Yeah. Uh, So we need an off season too. You know, recharge the batteries. But how you guys doing? Good. I mean, like I was telling you, Randall, before we got on here, I've been in the car for like over seven hours today for work, driving through what's like Chernobyl here in Western <laughs> New York, at right. thanks to freaking Canada uh, and these wildfires. It's crazy. Um, so bizarre, by the way. Like I woke up this morning. I was up just after five to get ready. I had to go to Albany for, for work, which is a few hours away. And I look outside and it's got like this. It's just this bizarre glow to it, and it was just so weird. But um, either way, we made it through. Uh, my lungs are okay. So how you guys doing? Have you seen that meme? So you know that meme with uh, – I forget who the actor is. It escapes right now. But he's, like, in a noose. He's got a noose around his neck, and he's looking at the camera. He's yep. like, first time, huh? You know? <laughs> And oh, yeah. I was laughing so hard because all these East Coasters are complaining about yep. air quality and and forest fires and all that. And, like, all these people from California are like, oh, first time. Yep. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. The air, I could taste the air. Like, it was brutal. Yeah, we've had, wild, we've had wildfires out here in Southern California. I'm sure all of our listeners can attest that live out here. But, I mean, I've there's been times where I'll wake up and I see ash in my car just from, like, a fire out <laughs> in San Bernardino or something like that. But... I mean, the scenes that of New York are pretty wild because they never really have had that red kind of glow. I guess sometimes they've had, but I mean, it looks like you guys are in like a Blade Runner movie. Is <laughs> It looks like New York City is getting it probably a little heavier than we got it, but it was a weird glow here too in, in Rochester. It was, 
bizarre. I mean, everybody but... likes the smell of campfire, and now you guys get it twenty four seven. Well, I was I was I was taking my son to pre K the other day. I'm like, what the hell is going on? What is this smell? <laughs> what is on my car? And I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, I saw a little while later on the news. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that explains it. Well, there you go. Well, uh, let's let's get started in here. Let's get start hot and heavy. Uh, before the the big trade news, there was a little bit of disappointing news. We'll start with that. We'll start with the the Faust departure before we get into the trade and deep dive into that. Uh, Alex is not being invited back uh, for another contract with the Kings. Um, they're going to roll with Nick Nixon, uh, Evans, and Foxy. Um, I thought uh, you know my initial thoughts here was a. Big disappointment. I think Alex Faust is one of the best play-by-play people in the game. Obviously, I don't watch everybody's home feed, uh, but what was apparent in the playoffs that he's a lot better than what we saw there. And it's a it's um, one. It's 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 huge shoes to fill a beloved icon in Miller and do an excellent job and win over a lot of fans in that short time that he had to do so. And then now that he's not going to be there, I think it's a travesty. I think that's something that. He's iconic with the Kings now, in my opinion. Uh, in the last couple of years, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a t- tough spot for me because it makes it enjoyable watching games. I thought him and Foxy had a good pairing. I thought they had a good back and forth. Um, I, I don't know what you guys think. I just think it's a I think it's sad watching. No, yeah, I mean, I think you echo a lot of the same sentiment that um, Kings fans have. It, it's it's weird because. Like you had said, I mean, stepping into Bob Miller's shoes, it's a legend that you're stepping into. I mean, that's 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 a hard seat to fill. And I guess Alex Faust kind of he he grew um Kings fans kind of grew a liking toward him as he got a little bit more chemistry with Foxy, um, got to know the team a little bit more. Um, cause I mean, he, he was an outsider when he came in too, right? I mean, it's not like somebody that they brought in internally. This is like a new guy that all of a sudden that is replacing someone that's been with the Kings for so long. And they're like, okay, it's a new voice that we have to hear from after we'd heard the same voice who had been known to be with the team, who had gone through so many ups and downs with this team and then winning the cups and all that good stuff. And then, and then these last six years we've kind of been like, okay, well, Faust has grown on us and he's, you're starting to see a lot of the national attention he's get, he's garnering. Uh, across the country from some of these games he's done. He's done a lot of playoff games this year, especially. I, I mean, the play-by, he's becoming one of the more up-and-coming play-by-play voices across the league. And not just even in hockey. I mean, in other sports, too. He's done baseball, college football. He's done everything. So to lose a, a talent like that, um, it kind of hurts a little bit because I, I, I know there's there's other outliers that are going on here with – I mean, with the whole Bally Sports situation going bankrupt, that seems to be like the main cause of this whole situation of losing Alex. But it's just a little disappointing that they couldn't find a way to keep a talent like that in the press box uh, after fans had kind of just like everything he's been doing so far with the team. Uh, I, I I mean this as a extreme compliment. I actually think he's like bigger than the Kings. He is really growing into a hell of a broadcaster. And like this, this is a guy that should be doing national broadcasts. He should be, uh, he, and so Rando, I've, I could probably rank a lot of NHL broadcasts. And actually, I'm pretty sure Jay Fresh might actually do that for those that follow Jay Fresh hockey or if I, somebody does it, but maybe it's Dom at the Athletic. They actually rank him. And the Kings, Faust ranks 
pretty high up there. I consider him, I always try to take my King's homerism out, but I consider him to be an excellent play-by-play guy. He's a perfect blend because some of the old school guys have that really, there's a lot of personality to them. And some of the newer guys can be a little bit too, too vanilla. He's got a really nice blend to him. His calls are really, really solid. And I think it's by no accident that he's getting a significant amount of national play and I think ESPN should be all over him because I think they got they really struggle uh they're really struggling in my opinion um where TNT's much better suited but he he's excellent um so yeah as a Kings fan it, it's 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 tough uh because I think in and you mentioned the word grow if I'm not mistaken I don't know how big of a hockey guy he was when he when he got the full-time NHL job for the Kings, I could be off on this, but I feel like I recall him admitting like he was maybe not learning hockey, but certainly learning the Kings. And he grew into the role over these last few years as well, which made it easy for the Kings fans to, um, you know, to be on board with him. So he's excellent at what he does. Uh, he is going to be a miss. That's for sure. On the broadcast. I am going to say, listen, I'm partial. I, I enjoy Nick Nixon. He's a Rochester guy. Um, He's from out here. He called Amherst games before I was born. But so I always got a little bit of a soft spot for Nick Nixon. And, you know, back in the days before ESPN Plus and back before NHL Center Ice, I would be sitting on my parents' computer listening to Nick Nixon because that's how I could get the Kings games for in Rochester, New York back then. That's that's just the only way I had was able to get it. So um you know, it is what it is. I know it's not ideal from a simulcast standpoint, but it is what it is. I think the only people happy about this are these old old timers like you, Joe. I think I've seen a lot of people like, oh, yeah, I enjoy Nick Nixon. And no offense to Nick Nixon, but, uh, you know, but I, I, I think this and I want to maybe ask you this. Is is, are, is the king are the kings blaming Bally's as a cop out? Knowing no, think- how. Knowing how much national recognition that he's gotten, he's he's done Wimbledon, he's done the U.S. Open, he's done some golf, I believe, baseball, like he's done NCAA March Madness, he's done a lot of things where he's getting a lot of national recognition, as you say, Joe, in multitude of sports. Like maybe he asked for more salary than what the Kings were willing to give him, and they blamed it on the situation going forward because of maybe they're not willing to pony up the dough and that was the easier way to say something. I mean, it seems, it seems a little bit like a cop out, but cause he could ask for a lot more money based on what he's done mm-hmm. with, with all his out of hockey work. He could claim uh, more money. I, I just wonder if that was kind of like uh, a timing thing where, you know, he, uh, he could ask for more money. The Kings didn't have more money because of the situation. And, uh, you know, Carter score says he has a solution. You know, they could have gave Faust some Trevor Moore's money, you know, and, uh, would have, would have helped us out there. But yeah, I just wonder if that, if that would might've been something, you know, just bad timing with the TV and him probably wanting to raise for what he's done. Yeah. I mean, it kind of seems like a cop out. I mean, it's it's the timing def- definitely doesn't help, right? I mean, his contract is ending, and the Kings are coming to a point where they we don't even know who's going to be broadcasting the games for the, the, the Kings next season. So, it, yeah, it's a little bit of a timing issue with that, and and certainly, I mean, I could see him wanting a little bit more money just based off of the work he's doing. I mean, there were times where 
I mean, we'd be at practice. I'd see him there, and then he'd be talking about like, oh, I got to fly out after the game tonight to hit a game that I'm calling tomorrow. So like, this guy this is a busy guy. It's gonna be all yep. over, and he's gonna be snatched up like that, like right away. So it's just tough. I mean, like Joe mentioned, I mean, Kings fans, it's almost bittersweet because we're not really so upset that Nick Nixon's going to be calling the games now. It's just more or less that we're losing a talent like Alex Faust yeah. because I'm with you, Joe. Like I, I love listening to Nick Nixon. I mean, gro- growing up out here at the AM radio, we've always, I mean, Nick Nixon's been part of the Kings just as much as Bob Miller was. So to have him still in the booth helps a little bit uh, with the situation. It's just, I get upset with some of the things that the Kings have done lately about some of these off ice situations i mean like going from am radio out here to just purely iheart radio that seems a little disappointing um now you have this situation i mean the whole bally sports conundrum it's just that never really worked out i mean there's always been issues technical issues with the stream and and tell in the audio and everything like that it's just i just want to have some continuity i want to have something that we could that makes it easier to access Kings games as a fan, really. And I, I go, I look at like what the Vegas Golden Knights did with signing up with uh, Script Sports, and I put that in the article that they're going to be broadcasting their games on local television for free to all their fans. If the Kings are able to do something like that, I think that not only will sure it's going to be a little bit less revenue that they would probably get from what they had with Bally's. But you're going to get so many more fans that are going to be able to watch the game, going to want to go to games, buy merchandise and stuff like that, and hopefully grow the sport of hockey a little bit more and maybe gain a little bit more fans by doing that. So I wonder if that's something that the Kings will look toward um, after this uh, kind of disappointing move right here. I always We talked about this a little bit when they were having troubles, and I always thought this was something that L.A. should do. And I know that all of them have their own self-interest. But you have like the Longhorns network, right? Like they, the Texas yeah. Longhorns have their own network that broadcasts all their sports all the time. Men, women, fall, spring, summer, whatever. Like there's five teams in LA, major teams. If you include the soccer, you got seven. Like if they form their own television channel, charged you $50 or $40 or $30, $25, whatever you want per month, and you get all those teams. So you get both Clippers, Lakers, you get Dodgers, you get Angels, you get LA Galaxy, LAFC, Kings, like Ducks. Like, what wouldn't that be worth it for for most LA people who are, especially if you're only interested in one sport, twenty five bucks a month is not a lot. But if you're interested in multiple sports, that's a no brainer. Like that's a no brainer at that point, and you could just stream it at all times. Well, you're talking about pretty much spectrum sports not out here, so. The Lakers and the Dodgers both have their own channel out here through Spectrum Sportsnet, which is Time Warner. Um, so a lot of I've seen a lot of fans and, and myself included maybe think like, hey, maybe the Kings can gravitate toward that situation, have their own channel, much like the Lakers or the Dodgers do, or even just kind of latch on to one of those channels themselves. Cause I mean, but the thing is, is like, I mean, it's the Lakers and Dodgers we're talking about. <laughs> their their fans are a little bit larger than what the Kings fans are out here in Los Angeles. But, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of fans would most willingly pay for a, a monthly subscription subscription of having easier access to watching and listening to Kings games. Because the thing, the whole thing with Bally's that they tried to do with the Bally Sports Plus, it never really worked out. I, I heard about issues uh, the, all the time that when people were trying to sign up. So, 
I, I just want things to be easier for fans. I want it to be because I mean, I'm, I'm a fan myself too. And when I'm not at the game, I want to be able to make it easier for me to watch games because this this whole situation the the country is in really is it's cord cutting. Nobody's not a lot of people are going to have satellite, direct TV, dish TV, or even whatever, or even cable nowadays. Everyone's cord cutting and doing the, through streaming. So I would love to see the Kings go to something like that, but I, it's it's just tough because that's a large chunk of revenue that the team is losing. But it's also we're talking about AEG. They're like top. The Kings are like top ten in, in value in the NHL. So it's not like they're going to be worried about having not having enough money for it, or just have no blackouts on ESPN Plus, and then that's it. Like there you go. Yeah, you probably have to negotiate a little bit with ESPN on that one. But yeah, that would be nice. Well, uh, last question before we get into the trade here. I think CJ, this is kind of interesting here. Do you think this affects Patrick O'Neill or, or, or Carlin as well with the cuts coming up uh, with multiple networks? I haven't heard anything, yeah, um, I don't know. so I'm, I'm not sure. I can't. And I won't pretend to know. That's yeah. yeah it's a good question. I mean, we I hope know. we hope they stay right. I mean, I love Patio. I mean, Patio is, is really cool guy. He does a really good job. If you guys, for the Angel fans out there, he does a really good job. He's a play-by-play voice for the Angels. Uh, on and off there and he does a great job I mean Carlin too awesome job and they've also been <laughs> I mean these are these are two people that also have been around the organization yeah. for a long time mm-hmm. so that would be another tough pill to swallow for yeah Carlin absolutely loves the Kings loves hockey in LA obviously her husband uh is the owner of Violent Gentleman and uh, you know Ducks fan like they're they're big in the community there so yeah uh definitely would be a hard right loss gentlemen true right now yeah, there you go <laughs> Uh, speaking of hard losses, it wasn't that hard for everybody else uh, this morning or yesterday morning waking up to uh, the trade here. So it's a three-team trade. Uh, you're looking at Columbus uh, and Philadelphia were involved. Uh, you're looking at uh, Peterson on the way out. We never thought it would be possible. We thought it was a far dream, pipe dream, if you will. Going to Philadelphia uh, with uh, Walker, uh, Granz. Philadelphia is also getting the first-round pick that we sent to Columbus, a second-round pick. We're getting a couple UFAs and a lot of cap space. We're taking on Provorov's contract, and Columbus is getting Provorov. So initial thoughts on the trade. What do you guys think when it when it caps? Um, I mean, I heard about it first from my brother. Normally my brother doesn't send me news, but he texted in our group thread. He's like, hey, did you see this from Elliot Freeman? And I was like, no, but let me, uh, let's me uh, let look it up. Uh, so how did you guys hear about it, and what were your guys' thoughts? I mean, I, I saw it on Twitter from Freeman. Um when, when I heard the trade that was being worked out, I think his initial tweet was just the teams that were involved. We're talking, yeah. Yeah, so I think my initial thoughts were, were actually pointed to Provorov. I was like, oh, Provorov might be a king. That's what I thought at first. Um, and I think someone had also mentioned that there was a defenseman involved. So I think that's why my uh, initial thoughts went to that. Um, but then once he said Cal Peterson was involved, I mean, I almost I almost fell over my, my my chair. I mean, this was a trade that we all wanted to see happen, but it was almost like you said, it was a, it was like a pipe dream. Like we never thought it, this could actually come to fruition, and to see it all happen, um, I mean, it's 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 something that we knew needed to happen. That Rob Blake had, was going to be number one on his priority list, right? I mean, clearing cap space. Um, in order to upgrade the the lineup, they had to clear out some of the cap space, and Cal Peterson was the number one target, and Sean Walker was not a surprise either. So, um, I think my overall thoughts on the trade were I thought I thought Rob Blake did really well. 
Um, just looking specifically at the trade itself. I mean, I've, I know a lot of people want to like tie this with the Cal Peterson contract together, which, which makes a ton of sense because this is the reason the trade is being made. But if you're looking specifically just at this trade, you have to give Rob like a ton of credit for what he was able to do, especially in this flat cap environment. Clearing cap space right now is a really, really tough thing to do. And we're seeing it across the NHL. I mean, look at other teams. I've, I've seen Oilers fans tweeting about, like, why isn't Ken Holland doing something like this? What, how come he can't figure out a trade like this? So, I mean, this trade almost made other teams and fans jealous of what the, the space that Rob Blake was able to make in terms of uh, helping out with other signings and stuff like that. So, I mean, to trade away a goaltender who was not even arguably pretty much the worst goaltender in the league last year who got sent to the AHL, never even really wowed down there either to figure out how to get that off the books and even send out Sean Walker, another player who a lot of people weren't surprised to see go uh, without really paying too much. I don't think the the payment to make that happen was too high. I I think you have to give a lot Rob Blake a lot of praise for doing so. Joe, what Um, what was your initial thoughts there, my man? My initial thought was, I might have timed that Carter Hart to LA thing pretty pretty good, but but it didn't end up happening, obviously. But uh, so yeah, like like Russ, I saw Friedman's tweet and then immediately clicked on Elliot Friedman to make sure it was the real Elliot Friedman. Um, and I think you see, I know everybody wants to think, well, just find a rebuilding team, just dump your contracts there. It's easy. It's it's not easy, and and the fact that it's that they required a third team to do this and they required a team to take on that wanted Provorov. So there was so many moving parts in this deal. It wasn't just, Oh, they dumped Peterson. They got out of his deal. Yay. Like there was more to it. So it was very complicated to pull off. Um, So I do give Blake credit for that. I am one of those people, Russ, I'm not going to give him too many hugs here. He got out of his own mess. So I'm glad he got out of it. He needed to get out of it, but like, it's not as if this was, remember when Kyle Dubas went to Toronto and he like immediately got out of David Clark, Clarkson's contract and it was like, that's the greatest thing you could ever do. I'll give him credit for that. I'm, I'm only going to go so far with, with praising Blake. Uh, I think all things considered, it is, you know, it could have been worse. There was no, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, you lose a second. You, you already don't have a first this year. You lose your second. You lose what is still, I consider, to be a, a, a good prospect, at least. Maybe not a top prospect, but a solid prospect. Um, and, you know, you're, you're taking on somebody's money that never, you know, played for you. So, like, it's it's better than it could have been. No question about it. And at the end of the day, got out of the Cal Peterson contract. So, the way I look at it is I'm not doing – like cartwheels here. I'm not going to go give him praises and hugs because again, I think it's his own mess that he created. So I'm let's just move on and go forward. Um, as far as the trade, like I thought Philly did great. What a job by Briere. Cause I don't think Provorov's all that good, frankly. Um, and for a rebuilding team to get a Helge Grands, to get um, a first round pick, two second round picks, I think he did a pretty good job just for really, getting rid of Ivan Provorov. So um, interesting deal all around, that's for sure. Uh, and at the end of the day, from a Kings standpoint, finally the Cal Peterson saga is over and we can just move on from that. Yeah, let's get let's get into uh, each part of this trade. I kind of dissect it a little bit. Let's start with the Cal contract. Obviously the Albatross in the room, um, you know, not a great signing there, was plugging up the AHL. 
And I think that's the best part about this whole thing, not just the cap space that he could be used for the player that we're going to talk about later in Gavrikov, but the future of the Kings. So they signed poor Portillo, uh, as his name is now, I heard is pronounced, you know, got that got that Spanish yeah sound right there at the end. Uh, but uh, Portillo and Volalta, you know, now they're going to actually get some time in the AHL. I thought last year was a wasted year for Volalta because they had to do something with Peterson. This opened some stuff up there. Uh, you know, what do you guys think about the cap that was created and in the the aftermath with the, with the goalie situation in the Kings organization? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the goalie situation. I mean, we we talk about like the we're we're looking at the cap space that the Kings created. I mean, it's not really all that much. I mean, even just a little bit of cap space seems like a lot, though, in this kind of flat cap situation that the NHL is in. But by eating some of that uh, Provorov contract there's, and sending away Sean Walker along with Cal, you're only opening up f- about $5 million this year, but then only opening up about $3 million next year. So it's not really a ton. I mean, it, it's, it seems like a lot, like I mentioned, with the flat cap. But um, So I don't know what will happen with the goalie situation because, I mean, after the contract with Gavrikov that we'll talk about later, there's only Phoenix Copley in, in, on the books right now. And – um, there's not really going to be that much money after a Gabe Velarde contract that we're all expecting, um, some other re-signings, some qualifying offers for, for other RFAs. So whether that uh, means that there will be other moves made to clear money, which, I mean, I, at this point, I hope, like I've, I've mentioned Arbitson being up on the trade block or I follow, I've sort of heard out there. Um, I, I, I don't see a reason to trade any of those type of players because if you're able to trade Cal Peterson's contract, I feel like that's the that's the move that, was necessary to make in order to make cap space. So there's no real need to get rid of any of those players. But it'll be interesting to see how they open up a little bit more space to to get another goalie in, in the organization. Yeah, that's the thing that depends, though, Russ, because there's seven and change ball, um, quick ball, ballpark, I think, uh, cap yeah. space. And like you said, we'll see what Velarde gets. If he gets into that three to $4 million range, well, that cuts that down in half. And then you've got a few million to work with for the RFAs and qualifying offers. Is that enough left over to sign a goalie? Probably not. Um, so, and then the question is, do they go the signing goaltender route or do they go for a trade route? Which um, either way, yeah, I mean, it's it seems like there's going to be have to still be a little bit of money moved out somehow and somewhere. Um, maybe to your point, maybe if they're going to opt to go for a free agent, maybe the money doesn't have to come from one of those two. Maybe they can get a cheap deal and maybe there's a, a Grundstrom type of trade, something along those lines that's a little bit less expensive. The one thing I'll I'll consider with this trade, we've talked about for a long time now, the King's depth on the right side, Right. I would argue um, that while they still have it, I, I I'm now I'm I'm no more. Like they traded Faber in a really good deal. They traded Granz, which was again it wasn't good asset management, but it was the cost of getting rid of the contract. So now you have Jersey. It comes of like the the younger guys like Jersey, Spence, and Clark that's your kind of quote unquote future on the right side, if you will. And I, I don't trade any one of these guys because we have seen time and again, you're going to need seven, eight, nine defensemen to, to get through a season. So if you trade Dursey, which I know everybody's already lining up to do, 
you're you're all of a sudden really thin back there because offhand I can't think of anybody that's necessarily ready to step in from Ontario to fill a depth a solid depth role. Obviously that can change. It's it's early. It's only well, June. Spence and well, what I mean, but I'm thinking Spence is somebody that can play in the NHL. So that's yeah, my point is Spence and Clark on the lineup, right? Exactly. So so my point is, I I, I don't know that I'm looking to to now. I, I think they've they've made the deals of their right D that they had unfortunately one of them has to come in a cap dump but i don't know that i want to trade any of these guys now because i think they're all pretty valuable i think they're all going to play a role this year because as we've seen injuries happen poor play happens things happen like I, i'm i don't know what you guys think but okay I'm, well let's I'm, let's talk about let's talk about that the goal we talked about this this goalie room obviously another out was sean walker right we talked about it at nauseum the the depth on the right side, and then the lack of playing time. And I'll, I'll say it over and over and over again. You have to earn your spot, and you have to be given a spot. You have to give them the opportunity to earn the spot. And if there's no opportunity, which is what we're saying, like where do we find – where do we see Clark playing is what most of us were saying at the beginning of the year. I said, I don't give an F. He needs to be on the roster. I don't care where Walker's playing. Mm-hmm. That was my view, but the Kings saw it differently. Now – they're opening up a spot, giving that an open. Now it's going to be Dowdy, Roy, and either Clark or Spence, most likely. I would probably see Jersey on the left side, or you have Gavacroft second pair if they do the Gavacroft-Roy thing mm-hmm. going on, or Roy jumps down. I mean, there's all kinds of combinations and see where these guys progress. But now there's an open spot for either Spence or Clark to walk through. Either they believe Spence is ready, and Clark will be the number one defenseman in the AHL or Clark will blow the doors open and leave no doubt. And he'll be on the roster. So what are your thoughts on that? And and this, does this move is Walker is moving Walker. The, the best part of this trade because it opens up door for a playmaker like Spencer or Clark to come in and step in. Yeah. You kind of killed two birds with one stone there in terms of clearing out a little bit of cap space this uh, season and then opening up that, that roster spot for whether it be Jordan Spence or Brant Clark. But I mean, I'm with Joe. I'm, I'm expecting, I mean, I would love to see Spence and Clark on the opening night roster. And for me, have Sean Dursey be the seventh defenseman. That's why I like, I'm, I'm so surprised by everybody that wants to trade Dursey. I, 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 it makes no sense to me. I mean, yeah, you can, you can be upset with some of the, the mistakes that he's made, some of the mental lapses he's had, but this is a player that led the team in points per 60 as a defenseman in all situations. He quarterbacked the second power play unit on a power play that was top five, or sometimes top three in the NHL last year. I mean, that's he's only being paid $1.7 million. It's not a player that's making four plus $5 million next year. So if you trade Dersey, you're only getting like maybe $700,000 in cap space because you have to eventually, you have to replace Dersey with another player. You can't just trade him and then like, okay, we're only going to run six defensemen next season. No, you have to have another seventh defenseman in the books. And whether that's Toby Bjornfoot, I mean, yeah, like that's that's $700,000 you're saving for a player that just led your defense in points per 60 last year. Doesn't seem like a smart situation where you want to trade for a, a second round pick. I don't, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, this is a player that has, has played his second season on the left side, kind of forced in that situation just because of the situation that the Kings were in on defense. So now because of that, because of that, um, I guess, problem that Rob Blake created by having so many right shot defensemen, it's his fault that all of a sudden like, oh, I'm he's being played on the left side. So we have to really just get rid of him, ship him off. 
No, I think I think Sean Dursey kind of proved himself to be one of the better young defensemen on the Kings, and I think it should stay. And if it's only going to cost the Kings another year at $1.7 million, and you can kind of interchange him back on the left side, right side, even have him as a seven defenseman at times, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, I, I just it doesn't make any sense to me why why he needs to be traded. But I mean, I agree with, with Joe too. I think the the depth that we talked well, about. I, I just want to give you. I just want to give you one of these, Russ. <laughs> that, was, that was good. I mean, it was good. Uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of I think a lot of fans are. I mean, like right here, Russ, Clark, and Spencer, all three of the same makes no sense to keep them all. I, I think this is. I think this is BS. I think the fact that you asked a, a young player who is still developing not only to play extreme minutes last year when the bunch of the injuries, now you're like, hey, I'm glad you got comfortable now, but now you got to play the left side. And him and Roy, now you could attribute that to Roy because he's good with anybody, was the best Corsi defenseman pair on the Kings until they got Gavrikov. Like, part of that is the, and, and on the 1-3-1, Jersey's playing the left. He's not the puck mm-hmm. retrieval guy. He's the wall guy. So he's playing on his offside, trying to play defense, which he isn't fond of. And he did a phenomenal job for most of the season. Yeah, you're going to get these lapses here and there. But like you said, point per 60 for defensemen, power play, I get it. You know, he has a lot of lapses. But what you're saying is, oh, he's, he's he, you know, he's defensively, you know, uh, enamored. Well, nobody was saying that about a Quinn Hughes, right? They still want Quinn Hughes. He can't play defense either, but he brings a lot of offensively to that team. There's, de- you know, there's always going to be deficiencies. And what I think is more of what the Kings are, or maybe Kings fans or me also speak for myself is that Rob Blake put the Jersey in that situation by not having adequate preparation for the team, whether it's busting on the pick for Bjorn foot, I wouldn't call him a bust yet, but not hitting a home run on Bjorn foot or not having adequate on the left side or, or failing to give Movari a full season shot. You're, you know, pick, pick your poison there. You played a guy who is willing to, do whatever it takes to win. And I thought Jersey for the most part all season long did an adequate job. Yeah. And listen, like I've said this before, what is going to happen? Not if, but when Jordan Spence and Brant Clark, the golden boys mm-hmm. make glaring, glaring mistakes because they're playing a little bit exactly. risky and it ends up in the back of the King's net. Cause guess what guys, that's going to happen. No, nope. And it's like, Brent, Brent Clark can do no wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you have to be, you know, this is going to happen with, you cannot have a defensive group full of Mikey Anderson's guys. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm not meaning guys as in you. Cause I think we're on the same page. It's just, you're going to have to have a, you have to get a little bit more skill into this defense group because it's a lot of the same, steady Eddie really solid don't get me wrong but you know it's something that I've been been harping on for a while now like you gotta have guys that can move pucks a bit and be a bit more mobile and having a trio of those three young guys as their third pair I actually would be surprised if the Kings go with it I'll be honest with you like I wouldn't be surprised to see Clark and Spence start in Ontario next year and they go sign either a veteran left D or bring up Bjorn foot or something like that. Like none of that would surprise me, but I'm open to the idea of having these guys play because, you know, we talked about Gavrikov strengthening the strength. And I mean, and he really strengthened the strength because go look at Dursey's, go look at Dursey's zone entry defense. Excellent. He was really good zone entry defense because Randon, as you pointed out, he plays the left side when he was with Roy one, three, one. If you are not good at zone entry defense, 
as the left defenseman in the LA system, then you got a serious problem. Like, how can you not be? Um, and Dursey was good. And if Dursey was good, then a lot of people can be good. Obviously, Gavrikov was great. Mike Anderson, he's really good. So I just think that you're if if people are already sour on Dursey because of some of his mistakes, just wait till Spence and Clark make them because they're gonna and they're gonna be. be I think the Kings. As a as a fan base over the last decade or so, are just so used to the kind of uh, I'll say Daryl Sutter for lack of a better term, but like that they were they won the cups on this foundation of like defense and goaltending and like you know as the game has evolved, like the game in 2023 2024 is not the same as it was in 2012 um, with the amount of skill and speed that we're seeing and and the depth that we're seeing so. Like I'm just, it, it's going to change and it has to evolve. And and with that is going to come. And listen, you have players like Clark, Spence, and Dursey. You drafted Clark eighth overall. So you have some sort of a vision for like, okay, this is an incredibly high-skilled offensive first defenseman. They wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't like him. So they know what he is and they know that he's not going to be, you know, he may not be winning a Norris, but he's, he's not Drew Doughty. He's, he's going to be, really be all offense all the time. It, it, but there's there's ways to go about playing defense. And listen, like let's be honest, if he's playing in the offensive zone more often than he's in the defensive zone, guess what? That's pretty good. Like that's the whole thing with with Eric Carlson. And I know people don't love that he's you know in the in the Norris discussion, but like you look at the five on five numbers when the Sharks had. Carlson on the ice versus anybody else, they're a they were a different team. Not even by a little bit, like by a lot of bit. They were a totally different team. He he was that much better. He was that good. So it's like if you can affect the game that way and you can impact your team that way, then yeah, you don't have to be an elite defensive defenseman to do so. So I just I think that that the Kings, it's a long-winded way of saying like I, I agree wholeheartedly with Russ's rant there on, on Dursey. And I also think given the depth situation now on the right side, I don't think they, I don't think they trade him. I think the only way ideal a Dursey or a Spence is if, is if you are bringing in an impact player. Now that's not going to be a defenseman because they've just shored up their top four. Is it a goalie? Maybe. Maybe there's a deal for Connor Hellebuck out there. I don't know. Is it a forward? I'm not going to rule out the potential for a top six forward. You never know. Blake may take a swing somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to rule it out. But like otherwise, to your point, Russ, if you trade Dursey, you got to fill him in with somebody. So it's not as if you're losing that money. It's like, oh, we're freeing up this much money. Not really. You got to play a set. You have to have another defenseman come in. So, I, I just, I, I just don't think that it's it's um, a necessary move. I think it's more likely that he stays and one or both of Clark and and or Spence are in Ontario, and maybe there's a veteran defenseman that plays on the third pair at a cheap deal, maybe something like that. But Jack Fry coming in here with the freed up money from Cal. I'd like to see Blake looking to signing Goss' spare in a semi-cheap deal for the third left side. But but I that's mean, the I mean that's I'm the saying thing. the veteran is what there a lot of I'm just saying the fans are thinking maybe a veteran third pair instead of having a guy play on the left. 
what's the difference between Shane Gossespierre and Sean Dersey? What what's really you're you're going to be paying probably double Shane Gossespierre what you get from Sean Dersey? Like yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give that Gossespierre is probably a better player than Dersey, but I mean even when you look at comparing, are we are we so sure, a hundred percent sure that Jordan Spence is a better player right now than Sean Dersey? I'm not. I mean, I haven't seen enough of Jordan Spence to think that. I've seen 100 games of Sean Dersey. I kind of know what to expect. You're going to get really good times, and you're going to get some really bad times. But, I mean, I I look back to one of the comments that our our buddy Anthony Carrazzo made here. Is like, did we just forget, like, two years ago when Sean Dersey stepped in for Drew Doughty when he went down that Sean Dersey pretty much carried our power play, even though it was kind of bad, but pretty much carried the top of the defense on the right side for that whole season as a rookie? Like, and then came into the next year, like thinking like, oh, now you got to be forced on the left side. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, okay, we're, we're, we're just kind of forgetting everything that he does and, and focusing so much on some of the negative things that he's done with the team. So it, it's easier to, it's, it's very easy to remember the, the bad stuff. It's easy to remember the mistakes because they tend to be glaring, especially when yeah. they end up in the back of your net. And it's just easy. I mean, it is what it is. Like the one thing going back to Alex Faust for a second, I went back and I watched the Martin Furk goal because of the, the I just loved his call on it. I just it was very simple but perfect. Remember the play Dersey made at the blue line? The 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 uh, against the Panthers. It was oh the last Mark circle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh beautiful. Against Dick, Barkov. Sasha Barkov. No defenseman other than probably Dowdy on in, in LA makes that play right now. You know, I was watching the semi sidetrack. Like the goal Shea Theodore scored the other day. When he like did a spin, walked the blue line, boom, 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 boom. There's not a Kings defenseman that can do that. And maybe Dowdy, maybe, but like as smooth as Shea Theodore made that look, like I know everybody's gonna talk about the Vegas size, but the Kings need more skill and they need guys like and I would it was Spence. The thing with Spence, I don't know what else he's got to do in the AHL. He he's checking a lot of boxes there. So I hope he gets an extended look in camp to see is he ready? Because I agree, Russ. I don't know that he's ready. But he's he's definitely showing that you know, he's like a point of game guy in the AHL, uh, or almost for a second straight year. So it's like he he's he's somebody that hopefully gets at least a, an extended look. Um, but again, we've seen Rob Blake. Hey, he's got an option to go. He can still go down. He's waivers exempt. He very well could start. Same thing with Brand Clark. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think that. Um, I, w- I want to get away from this whole mindset of like having to have like when when we'll talk about Gavrikov, maybe I should just kind of leave it for that. But I want to get away from that mindset of having oh, we need to have that solid shutdown defensive pairing. Like, why can't we be a little bit more exciting than that? Why do we have to have just one pairing that's like going to be that shutdown defensive pairing? Well, they like, have it like, now. They have it. Gavrikov and Roy. I just want to be a little bit more explosive. That's Me too. All. I want to have a little bit more excitement. Well, I just well, I want I want to get into this a little bit more before we get back in the trade. We uh, there are multiple people have talked, and there's been plenty of people who are bringing in that the you brought up Joe a little bit. I think the NHL is in a little bit of a hybrid style of their game. There's a lot of older players that are big, uh, big bodies hitting. There's a lot of new players with a lot of speed, and there's been a lot of data out there that is saying that puck movement and zone exits are more important than a shutdown defenseman because you're you're initiating the inertia of going in the other direction rather than just being shut down. But then on the power play, you need those shutdown guys. You need those long guys, those big guys that have big sticks and can get in lanes and passing lanes. So I think the NHL is kind of in a hybrid atmosphere 
where you see guys like Gavrikov who aren't exactly puck movers, but showed a little bit more offensive skill than I thought, but still have access to those big sticks. But then his metrics weren't good on the def- on the defensive side of the pa- penalty kill. I think there's a lot of, of, hey, this guy, we need skill, we need puck moving, hey, we need size, we need grit, we need all this. I think it's just, one, I think it's Twitter's toxic negativity to where you're always looking to point out something negative about a team. And two, I think it's the state of the NHL where they're, we're not really full skill. We're not really full, you know, back in the nineties where it was all enforcers, right? There was no skill. It was just beating people up. Like you're just, you're looking at a, a different part of, of the NHL where teams don't really need to, don't really know how to build a balanced uh, offensive or defensive core, you know, because of how everybody different plays the game. Well, it, it's true. And it, and obviously it can be system dependent too, but in a best case scenario, you have a defense group like Vegas, who can all skate now obviously Shea Theodore skates is is a bit more upper echelon in there but they can all move okay Petrangelo maybe a little less these days than he used to but like he but and they're big like that's obviously best case scenario I'm not sitting here saying the Kings need to have uh, a decor filled with five eight defensemen <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> um so thank you, Shankmaster. That's right. Yeah, listen, there are uh, how many people are in this? Forty go, plus. For, yeah. Go hit the like button. Cost nothing. And you know what? We've gotten people that are you know they sometimes they wonder. Oh man, I'm I'm late to the show. Hit the subscribe button. You get a little bell, a little notification every time we go live. Boom, you get the notification so you don't miss it. Hit the like. Hit the subscribe. We we really appreciate it. Thank you, Shankmaster. That a baby. Thank you. Um, but but getting back to what i was saying like in a perfect world you got guys that are big and can move like that's great but you have to find a way to have a little bit of a blend here and have a little bit more um you know you have to be able to get pucks out of your zone and the kings were in a situation where like they weren't a small team i don't know where this like idea is that the kings are small like when you look at their back end it's not huge but gavrikov certainly isn't small Edler wasn't small. Roy's not small. Doughty is heavy if he's not small. Mikey Anderson plays a pretty big game. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't look at the decor and say that they were small. Um, they, I, I think that they struggle moving box. That's just my opinion. I, you know, it is what it is, but so I don't know. I, I, you're right, Randon. Like there is definitely still, especially come playoff times that, you know, you, you got to be able to, even if you're not initiating the physical play, you have to be able to, like, withstand it and play through it. Um, no no question about that. So um, that's why I said if there's anything, maybe the Kings in the bottom six could use a little bit, could get a little thicker down there. But uh, Corey Perry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Joe, you've, you've brought up the Buffalo Sabres multiple times, and, and I've – I remember watching the Sabres toward the end of the year just because they play that hybrid kind of style where their their defensemen yeah. are pretty much at the goal line most <laughs> of the time in the offensive zone. And I brought this up on the Twitter spaces that did the other day. It's like I wonder if the NHL will eventually get to the point where the same the same kind of place that basketball is in at this point where you just have players that can play point guard and then they, you can even play center. I mean, look at a player like LeBron James on on the Lakers. He can play anywhere. He can play Draymond Green on the on the Warriors. He can play any position. I mean, you just that's. I wonder if the NHL eventually gets to that point because if you look at some of the best defensemen in the NHL, I mean, Kale McCarr will be yep. anywhere in the offensive zone. 
Rasmus Dahlin will be anywhere in the offensive zone. Same thing, Adam Fox. So, I mean, we'll probably end up seeing that a little bit more with Brant Clark and, and Jordan Spence. And even we saw some, we've seen some of that with Sean Dersey. I just want them to have the freedom to be able to use their talents to the best of their abilities because we're gonna be have we're gonna have a team that's gonna be really skillful here, probably even just next year, where we're gonna have more defensemen that have that capability to skate the puck up ice than we've probably had in years past. So it's it's I think our I think our team just to kind of evaluate the trade as a whole. I think our team definitely got better after this trade alone and even before the Gavrikov move because you have I, I'm looking it's the first time where I look at the Kings defense and I don't really see a spot or or a player where I'm like, oh man, it's kind of like a filler player for right now. It's almost like every player is here and looking to be productive and, and going to have to be have to produce in order to keep their spot and they should because that, that's what they brought in for them in here to do. Yep. Before we get into the Gavrikov contract, we're going to toss it over to our sponsors at DraftKings. DraftKings is keeping it sort and sweet. That's why we're going to lamp the lamp during hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet $5 or have a $5 bet and get $250 in bonus bets instantly. Now, dra- download DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So get into the contract. We've got two years. A little over, right around the 5.8, 5.9 million range there. Uh, what did the final number come in at? It was what, 585? 5875. 5875. So, two years, 5875. Um, I know it was a little too rich for my blood as far as the amount there, but obviously, I thought it could have been five, six years on the contract. So, I'm kind of happy about that. What do you think about the just the contract as a whole? And then we'll get to Gavrikov's impact going forward in these next few seasons. I, I mean, I thought the deal was was good. So I was terrified of a long-term deal, terrified. Um, and I thought, I genuinely thought and still kind of think that if he did hit the market, that there's a team that would have given him a long-term deal. Like a lot of people are surprised that he took two. I think you mentioned it, Russ, that the cap is projected to go up in two years. So maybe he's banking on that. Um, but so I was really nervous about a lengthy deal for for him. but. I think this is great, actually, for the Kings. It's, a, it's probably more of a team-friendly deal, if anything, because it's a little risky on Gavrikov's part to, to – he's probably leaving money on the table. Um, but that said, you know, he gets a two-year deal. The Kings are not committed long-term here, and they get another two years. Because really, again, they didn't get a chance to see him for a full season. Now they get a chance to see him for a full season. And, you know, assuming it goes well, then maybe they, you know, they work something out later. But – I think that this deal is is very reasonable. Um, again, at two years, I'm willing to go. I mean, I, we've talked about before. I didn't want to go over five million for this player, but at at two years, I'm 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 perfectly comfortable doing that. I think it's like a really good kind of bridge because he's going to be 28 in November this year. So at the end of two years, he'll be entering that what would be a third season at age 30. And I just I get nervous with with defensemen of this skill set and how they age as they get to the, through the thirties. So I really like the two years personally. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I think both sides got exactly probably what they wanted here. Especially Um, if he wanted a two year deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people at first were surprised that he only wanted two years. I mean, myself included. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, like you, like you, you mentioned, we were talking about, um, the whole situation with the flat cap, he's really betting on himself because if he's able to hit uh, 
unrestricted free agency once again when he's he'll be 29 i think 29 right um at the time pretty much his 30th year he'll Um, be entering his age 30 season yeah Yeah. so but to hit ufa status when the salary cap is projected to go way up with all the tv deals clicking in and uh getting away from the flat cap situation I, i think he can cash in a little bit more so um, I, I, I do wonder if the team maybe was looking for a little bit longer term. Um, I'm glad they weren't given that opportunity by the player because I'm with you, Joe. I mean, the, we've seen these kind of players not really um, age well in terms of long-term deals. So, um, And we've also only seen Gavrikov for a handful of games too, which were a really good sample size in terms of the, the, his play with the team. So I, I think it's a, a really team-friendly deal in terms of, um, having the shorter term because then you'll have a little bit more cap space um, after this season with Kobitar's deal over um, and a lot of other free agents coming into play. I think the Kings have like $42 million in cap space after next season. So wow. that'll be another fun offseason to watch. But yeah, I think uh, to have two million or two years at the $5.8 million cap hit, I think it's great for the player and great for the team. And hopefully we'll see uh, how, how the positions line up coming into training camp. Yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I think it's I get probably about a million too high of what I thought that he'd probably would I would like him to be at, but I understand. And like you said, it kind of gives the Kings, you know, position to maneuver right because outs in the next two years after that two years, your only players on your roster are gonna be Mikey Anderson, Drew Doughty, Fiala, and Kempe at that point, right? I mean, more to know, to know more, more and to know, yeah. So you got six guys. Defense, so I think, yeah, that's it's just Dowdy and Anderson, I believe. At the moment. So, yeah. so you got six Clark, players total, Clark, two defensemen. Yeah, yeah six players yeah. total, defensemen, obviously RFAs, but like guys that are, you know, really penciled in, like those are the the players on the team. So you got a lot of movement. Hopefully you get big prospect movement in the Figimos and um, you know, Francisco Pinelli's. Maybe we hear more of the other Jack Hughes progressing in college and that type of thing. And you have those Phil and Deb and Alex Turcott, maybe if you will, um, you know, kind of fill all those spaces and then you can really start spending some money on the buy fields and, and whoever else and have those depth pieces come from your prospect pool, which, you know, which we've been hammering for. I think we'll just, it's weird because I, I mentioned this to, to you, Joe, uh, earlier is we've almost kind of tabled the whole problem with the left side of the defense for two years. Cause We'll be right back in the situation, kind of looking at the Kings prospect pool. I would be very surprised if they don't draft a left shot defenseman with the second round pick that they have this year. So, because I mean, after Gavrikov and uh, Bjornfoot, it's really nobody there. I mean, Kirill Kersanov uh, is still in Russia. We don't even know mm-hmm. what that situation is going to be like. I think he's still, he's still signed till 2025. So he resigned. Over. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he comes over at the end of Gavrikov's deal and he kind of is a replacement there. That could be something to watch for. But, I mean, to have that short-term deal is, yeah, it helps with the salary cap situation and maybe um, it's better to have a player at, like like Gavrikov sign for a shorter term. But once that deal is done, the Kings don't really have any heir apparent. I mean, it, it'll be something to watch. Obviously, it's two two years down the line, so maybe they can make a trade here Locked and there. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I mean, this this is definitely helpful for the time being. It'd be interesting to see because it's like they're trying to win, so they traded the last two first-round picks. I, The Kings did that before, trade away all their first-round picks, but they won two cups. Right now, they haven't won anything. 
do they get ballsy again and trade 2024s first? Or do well, they need do they need a high pick to restock, you know, that that prospect, that flow of influx of young talent, young cheap talent, or are they gonna sell it off again? At this point, I'd, I think they find more value in the middle rounds than they do in the first and second round. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. This is the other th- – and, and again, to go back to the trade, it's like you I, – I, I think it's getting a – yes, the Kings got off a little light, uh, but you have lost two trade assets for the deadline next year. Mm-hmm. And now get Grand's in a second-round pick. That matters. You come deadline time, if you're a team that is looking to add and looking to push for a Stanley Cup, they do still have a first, so that's that's obviously significant. But you don't have a second-round pick in 23. You don't have a second-round – or excuse me, you don't have a second-round pick in 24. You don't have a third-round pick in 24. Um, so you, you've – you've t- the, the, the problem with this deal is, is – I understand it had to be done, but you've taken some bullets – You've taken away some some ammunition, if you will, um, as you think about look ahead to next year's deadline. So, um, when you talk about Randy in terms of making trades and stuff like that, well, they 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 did just lose a pick. So now, if they if they trade a first round pick next year, you're without a pick for the first and the second round next year uh, because of the Peterson deal. So I don't know. It, it's it's there's a lot to digest here there's a lot to kind of look at and i know that's maybe looking a little too far ahead but um you know it's something that that to consider at least no it happens i mean i'm i'm doing my dynasty fantasy football draft now i've been trying to trade away my 2025 <laughs> first round pick for the last three days can't get it done all right well, that's too far like, i can't even think that far ahead so it's like you know i, I get it you know people want the here and now they want the freshness they want to know which i'm surprised columbus gave up the first like they're in the I, real too I, I, I didn't like this deal. Yeah, I thought originally I thought it was only the first round pick that they gave up. And then Joe mentioned it was also a second. And I was like, okay. I I mean, I understand it's pro. You're you're only getting pro. It's only four million dollars. Yeah. But a first and a second round pick. The only thing I'll say to that is yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe like I don't think people expected him to be this bad last year. Like it was bad. Yeah. Maybe they're saying, okay, let's let's regroup here. We've got a ton of they got some really good talent coming up prospect wise. Some really good talent. They've got some really good NHL talent, right? Johnny Gregor's there, Patrick Line is there. They got a new coach coming in. Um, so maybe their thought is and remember, they lost Warinsky all season last year. He got hurt. So now Warinsky's back. Provorov doesn't have to play top pyramid. It's maybe they're looking at this the same way that Kings looked at Gavrikov. You know, Gavrikov was atrocious last year in Columbus, but he fit not playing those minutes, those matchups in Los Angeles' system. Provorov really just hasn't been that good, in my opinion, in Philly. Maybe they're just like, hey, if we slot him on the second yeah, pair yeah. behind Wierenski, maybe this works out okay. Who's on I the right would, side? Well, that's the thing. It could be uh, your boy, Yurasek. Mm-hmm. I know Yurasek. Is he going to be number one? He's going to be the right number one right D? Because I know he won they AHL have, honors have, for best defenseman. They have Boquist, too. Um, yeah, yeah, Boquist, who I like he, quite a bit. Uh, Gubranson. I mean, they have a. They have, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. Like, in terms of like teams that are on the right trajectory, Columbus is right there. Yeah. I mean, they, they have a lot, of, like, a lot of our favorite prospects. I mean, 
Brandon, you talked glowingly about Juracek. And then once you brought him up, I started watching him a little bit in the World Juniors, and he impressed the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. He was like a man amongst boys playing against them. And then one of my favorite prospects in Kent Johnson yep. uh, out of Michigan. I, I think he's been great. And Marchenko. So Marchenko, Cole Sillinger. Emil uh, Bremstrom is still like trying to figure it out. Like this is yeah, – they're, they're the going to get – Alex, uh, Alexander yeah, They're Cartier. probably going to get – They're going to oh, probably get – yeah, you're probably need Carlson, right? Which uh, our boy uh, Sixton, uh, Sixton Funquist, yeah, raved like, about for two seasons. You where if you were Columbus, let's just stay on the Columbus. This is kind of a side topic. And you're number three overall. You getting Carlson? Or are you swinging for the fences and getting Mitchkoff? Oh, I'm going Mitchkoff all the way. And I actually i I don't understand why why Ducks fans are so set on getting Fantilli. If you did, you guys read Promnin's um, yeah report? I have not he, yet. He has a higher upside for Mitchkoff than he does for Bedard. He's not the only one. Yeah. People are just writing off Mitch Mitchkoff. And I think a lot of it maybe has to do with the whole Russia situation. Yep. But and, and we also haven't really seen Mitchkoff play even in any international games because of that situation. But that's the sole player, reason. Th this was a player that was considered the one of the top two prospects for sure. Lock top two prospects in the NHL just a couple of seasons ago. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we haven't really seen him play, so we don't really know. No, I mean, if I'm Columbus or a team that has so many prospects and like really high upset prospects already, I mean, I'm swinging the fences for. Well, the, yeah, prospects. that's that's the thing, right? Because you've got because they had another defenseman. Who was the? Didn't they? Uh, Matichuk, Denton Matichuk, right? Yeah. Last year with Juracek. Then when you go up to their forward group, like Goudreau's there forever. Liney's got three more years. Um, Boone Jenner's got three more years. We just mentioned. Johnson, Marchenko, like, is it three years? I think that that Michkov would be. Was it after he, three? He signed a three-year deal, yeah. So it'd be after three years that he would come over. So after three years, you still have Goudreau. Line A would be a free agent, so we'll see there, I guess. But you would still have those young kids. I, it's and plus those defensemen. I mean, I can I can see that. Uh, I can see that. But to your point with Anaheim too. I mean, that's another team with a ton of prospects that they could bode well to just let it let it ride here for a few years. The continue thing is, the I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if Verbeek would want to have his first real high-profile draft pick be a player that the, the fans don't see for that long. I think, I mean, from that point of view, I guess it would make sense for them to draft a player that's going to make an immediate impact. Well, because, most GMs, right? Because a lot of yeah. these guys, <laughs> especially a brand new GM. I mean, it's such a high profile pick. I mean, and listen, you get number two after losing Bedard. I mean, you're going to have to make something uh, uh, lemonade out of lemons there. And I think Kakalainen, I don't know that he goes the Mitchkov route because it's like this. This guy. What have they, What have they done? What is Columbus? What have they done? Yeah. Under Kakalainen, they he makes a lot of noise, but at the end of the day, they haven't done a whole lot, really. I don't think. So he may want somebody a little bit sooner, like a Carlson, to kind of, you know, maybe speed this thing up a little bit. Yeah, but what what if he turns out to be Kucherov? Like that that what you know you're you're saying he's Russian or whatever he's a bust, but it's like yeah he signed until twenty five twenty six. He's making millions of dollars at eighteen years old over in Russia. I don't blame the kid, but he you look at his stats like he was almost a point per game player at eighteen in in the KHL this year. He was a over a point per game player last year in the the MHL and the VHL, and he was a two and a half point per game player against people of his age group in the U18s in the United States, and that was with Bedard in the tournament. He had the highest punt total in the tournament. So 
this kid is legit. And if I'm the Ducks or if I'm Columbus, I'm swinging for the fences because you're not like what it, what is Fintilli or what is Carlson going to do for you in the next two seasons? Like to bring your team, like you're looking at Mitchkoff spending two seasons in Russia and then coming over and then having a Capri soft type impact to your team right away. Like that's what you're looking for. Like you don't need him to, to mature here. It's just so know. much uncertainty. That's the only problem. Yeah, that's the I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's really the whole reason. I mean, we're yeah. we we're not even going to see Russia in any international tournaments for the next few few years. It sounds like so. <laughs> who knows? Oh. I mean, yeah, it's a tough situation. Could you imagine if he falls down below four and some random team gets him? I'm hoping yeah. he falls to the second round and the Kings draft him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the Kings, and let's let's trade away uh, almost a lot of the players on our team and. Uh, our 24 first, 25 first, 26 first, and we'll move up and get Mitchkoff. There you go. Um, trade grades. So we have two trade grades here. We're going to talk about the trade deadline because all three of us said that this was going to be predicated on if any of these guys resign, how well they do in the playoffs. So we'll revisit that and then grade this upcoming uh, this trade so far with the unknown. And and we'll have a little reason for it. So I'll start off. My trade grade at the deadline was pretty, pretty harsh. Um I think this signing makes it better just because I think the first round pick was used twice, not only to get Gavrikov, but then facilitate the Cal Peterson trade. So, you know, double duty there for that first. So I think the trade was then worth it, giving it a solid BB plus because I think the play was good. I think we got multiple value, not only from us trading it, but Columbus trading it to facilitate this. It moves the contract out. Gavrikov's here for two years. The contract isn't too bad. So overall, I'm giving the trade deadline trade a, a, a B plus. And I think just moving the contract to get it going is probably going to be a B. We're just going to be right there in, in the solid passing grades for me. Yeah, I think at the time of the deadline deal, I believe I gave a B minus or right around B minus C plus deal because <clears throat> I think a lot of it had to do with we we weren't really too impressed with the type of player that they were getting in Gavrikov. I mean, we were just we only had uh, his type of uh, play style when he was with Columbus. Obviously, I. I'll, I'll speak for myself. I ate a lot of crow because of the play. He, I mean, he definitely improved and impressed me um, to the point where he played with with the Kings. So I'm glad I was wrong there. And then so to, to kind of take it full full, full circle here, uh, that they were able to re-sign him and it didn't turn into that like Andre Sakara situation where you trade a first-round pick and you, you, you don't even really see the player anymore. I, I think it's kind of a big move by Blake um, to keep that type of player, especially a player who's going to hit UFA that – could have got a little bit more probably. Um, so to, to keep him with the organization for a couple more years after uh, pretty much swinging for the fences by sending a first-round pick to Columbus, I, I would I would give Blake a, a, the trade an A-minus on that one. I was a C-plus at the deadline. Um, I just didn't think he was the impactful defenseman that they needed. Um, I was definitely wrong on – his abilities he he was way better than i thought you know didn't get him past the first round i think they would have went just as far as they did if they had roy uh, and Dursey still so i don't know i mean he wasn't i don't know it's it's it, again that's not his fault per se so i definitely increase my grade i'll give it a b um it, I, I just got a real hard, i'm not, i'm not giving rob blake an a in any fashion here i just and then he did a good job getting out of it, but I look back, it's like where's it. where then where's the uh, the where's the downgrade for you? Where's where are you downgrading from an A? Like where's the the thorn in your boots, if you will? 
I guess my, my thought is a B, but the more I think about it, I may even drop it just a little bit lower just because I can't separate it. I know, Russ, you're just looking at it isolating from the trade, and that's yeah. I, that's probably more fair than I'm being. But I can't help but look at it and say, you traded a first at the deadline, you traded Helge Granz, you traded a second, you're eating a portion of somebody else's contract. Now, you did bring back Obviously, Gavrikov is, if I'm looping that all in, it's just like, boy, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to give him a, a a passing grade for getting out of his own contract. He made the mess. He did the best he probably could to get out of it, but I'm, I'll give him a B minus because I, I can't separate the two. I have, I, I just, the whole situation, I think I said it in the chat. I don't know what chat I said it in. Um, the whole situation's an L. It may be a lowercase L because he was able to get out of it without getting up a, a first or a spence. Let's let's just to me the whole situation is poor asset management. Now every GM is going to run into these situations. They're not going to bat a thousand. Blake has been excellent with his trades, and he doesn't miss a whole lot. This one was a miss, and unfortunately, this miss cost him some assets, and that's frustrating. But it is what it is. We talked about it a little bit with like uh, other things like the Kovalchuk, right? We saw the reason behind it didn't work out, and he got out of his own mess. And we praised him, hey, like, hey, at least he, at least he was able to move out of that situation. And now that you're telling it, Joe, like that's kind of how it feels. Like he put himself in the situation, he did what he needed to to get out of the situation. Now we're out of it and we're relieved. But really, was it a good scenario for the Kings and and their assets? Listen, so the the difference is with Kovalchuk. I think they were there. There's like one last hail mary kick at the can to try to make a run. Exactly. And then it didn't work. And it's like okay, now we're officially rebuilding. So, whatever. With Peterson, hey, he's a goalie. You don't he you don't need to sign him or most goalies to the deal he got. Look what Edmonton did. What in God's name was Edmonton doing with Jack Campbell? Well, I, I'm very curious to see what some of these goalies get this offseason. Corpus Allo being one, Freddie Anderson being another, Tristan Jari being another, Ilya's uh, uh, Simeon Varlamov. I know he's older, so that'll probably be short. But like, I te- look at what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing. If you have a system in place, a goalie can be just serviceable and be a okay. They've churned through goalies. Vegas has all season long. So the, the, you know, it was just a bad all around. It was just bad. Now, again, if I got to go looking at it, the way Russ is looking at it, just solely like I was worried about a first worried about Spence. I wouldn't do either of those and he didn't cost them. So, but again, when I look at it, it is Grands, a second round pick. Those are a couple things, two less assets to trade at next year's deadline. You know, I factor that in and I don't know. So I can't go in a, I can't go in a, I can't go in a minus. I'm going to go B minus just because I, I can't separate the whole thing. That's why if, and, uh, and nowadays, nowadays, like at the, at the time, Randon going back to the Kovalchuk thing at that point, none of this mattered because they were going to rebuild. But now every asset is so important right now as the Kings are looking to take that jump from, making playoffs to okay we want to actually win now in the playoffs so you need every dollar of cap space every asset in the potential trade 
that you can have. And you know, he he lost some of that. Yeah, Are you surprised that they couldn't they couldn't use a Ford instead of Helge Grons? Like it, it seemed like a weird position for Helge Grons, right? Had a down season, really wasn't uh, that impactful this year. Like you think they could have traded away a higher or a prospect with a higher, uh, you know, trajectory as of last season, you know, maybe, or maybe they didn't want to trade a Fantilli or a, a player of that nature. Well, I, mean, I don't the, know. The, the, thing with Grons, the thing with Grons too. I mean, I mean, he didn't have a path with the Kings. That's, that's the thing is yeah, not in the almost, short term, yeah. it's still a, almost a position of strength. I mean, it's not like we just talked about earlier. It's not anymore, mm-hmm. but it was still a position of strength that Rob Blake was dealing yep. from in terms of the right side. Yeah, and, and listen, Grounds is – I was really high on him entering last season. I was really high on him um, entering two seasons ago and then entering again last season. And, yeah, he had a down season. It wasn't a, was not a great season for him, but he's 21 years old, and he's played two years of North American hockey. So I'm, I'm still pretty bullish on him. I'll be interested to see um, – you know, he's t- – but everybody wants size, and now we're okay just trading a six-four defenseman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who can skate, by the way? Um, but no, I think he's still very young, and the timeline probably wasn't going to work out clearly, Russ, because um, of everything else the Kings have on the right side. It's a, it's a little frustrating that you're selling low on the guy, and you the best you can get out of, out of uh, Helge Grands and a second-round pick is. What did they end up getting? Two million dollars worth of cap space in the deal because they did eat Provorov. So what? Three million dollars in cap space. Like, next year, well, wa- well, Walker and Provorov like wa- wash each other out. So we got five million of space. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, it it's one of those deals where it had to happen. I'm I'm not saying it, that it, that it shouldn't have happened. It just leaves a sour taste in my mouth because those are just giving assets away for a little bit of space, and it's frustrating. But glad it's over. I'll say that. What would be even more frustrating is when we watch players like, or when we watch Brock Faber go crazy in Minnesota and Helga Grands go crazy in Philadelphia. That would be a little bit more frustrating. No, I'm not going to be frustrated with with Brock Faber. The Kings got Kevin Fiala. No, yeah, it, it, I, I agree be, there. I, I mean, will be mad with if Helga Grands turns into something because then you're like, oh, you, the, the five million used, space. Yeah, you used him in a salary dump to open up three million dollars worth of space because of your own mistake. That would bother me. I but, will say hey. though, I mean, with with the whole Cal Peter situation, and I'm, I think a lot of fans probably thought that we we might had to, had to have tied a player like Jordan Spence to the deal. So I think mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a win there because I mean, when I was I talking agree. about the deal, yeah, we thought Jordan Spence would have to be the player. Or first, so, yeah, or yeah, or first round pick. And so I think the fact that it's only a second and ground grounds, which I say only. Just comparing it to a yep, first, I agree with. I that. think it's a little bit of a win there, in in that sense, yes. Yeah, exactly. But we now, in fairness, we made all that up. We have no idea if the team was even asking for a first or Jordan Spence. I don't. But but I agree. Agree in I that sense, it, yes. And then also, just to go back to the Cal Peterson contract itself, and I talked about this earlier. I mean, at the time of signing, yeah, I, I've been super critical of the contract, which I, I, I won't stop being critical. I think. The, the the length was just too long. I would have liked it to only be two years as opposed to three. But at that time, that was the going rate for goaltenders at that time. I mean, you look at Matt Murray had just made $6 million the year before in Ottawa. Philip Grubauer got $5 million, a $15 million contract. Like you mentioned, Jack Campbell, too. 
that was the going rate for goaltenders, and none of them have really paid off. And now we're getting to the point where well, Drew Bauer won a championship, didn't he? I think he was a backup, wasn't he? With with no. yeah, it was. Um, um, oh my God, Kemper, Kemper won. Yeah, there, Kemper yeah. was the starter. Oh, okay. He was the backup, but um, yeah, I think it's just we'll, we're start to see, like Joe says, hashtag goalies. I wonder if teams just are saying. Okay, we just need to find a diamond in the rough, like our own Phoenix Copley that could just come in and stabilize net. Doesn't have to stand on his head, doesn't have to steal games for us, but just make saves when we need you to make a save, and then hopefully the offense can pick it up. Because I think the Kings are at the point where they have an explosive enough offense where they don't need to win games three to two or two to one. They can win games like five four, five three at this point. And I, I think it, it would be more exciting for us to watch, probably a little bit more frustrating because we'll probably get more jerseyisms at that point. But, hey, I mean, if you have a fun offense to, to uh, pair it together with, then sign me up for that. That'll be fun. I just don't know what channel I'm going to be watching it on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, somebody in the chat saying that, you know, it was the going rate for starting goalies and P- Peterson was the starting goalie. That year that he showed, I mean, he had excellent stats. You know, On a and bad team. It was a on, bad a ba- team. on a real bad team. and And so – you know, yeah, it was just small sample size. You know, you teams get we we've talked about this at nauseum, right? Small sample size with Kempe. He had one good year. Do you pay him? Does it pay off? Okay, it has paid off. More. Do you pay him after one good year? Has it paid off? I don't believe so. Joe says it has. Russell, I think you're kind of halfway in between. So it's always going to be those types of things, right? My Niners paid Jimmy Garoppolo after five games to be the richest quarterback in football. Did it win them a championship? No, it did not. So you're, you know, you're Giants paying Danny Dimes forty million dollars for for throwing sixteen touchdowns. Overpay. So, yeah. So it happens all the time. Like you have to take that chance. Sometimes it's not the situation the Kings probably would have liked. Hey, he played really well right before we have to pay him. So what are we going to pay him? Is he going to want? Do we let him go and risk him being a, you know, a Vesna winner somewhere else, or do we pay him the going rate like you said? It's, I think it's a lose-lose situation for the Kings at that point. And sometimes Ridiculous. Kings get strapped into those situations or where they have to pay the guy what he did based on one season because that's what his value is at that moment. Debo Samuel, again, Niners, 1,900 total yards, was a wide back, revolutionized what the receiver position was, got paid $25 million. He sucked last season. So it just really just depends on, on the team. Sometimes those hit, sometimes they don't. I'd have to look back. No, no, no. (laughs) I'd have to look back because I feel like Peterson was the first one. Like Campbell signed after. Kemper signed after. Um, These guys were all after Peterson. Who signed? I'm trying to think of like what leverage did Cal Peterson have? Like I know that ended up being the going rate. But what goalie was being signed? Omark, was that after? Or the same month before? When did he sign? 2021, September. I'd have to look back because I know Cap Friendly doesn't compare this contract. Maybe I can pull it up. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is All my personal in July of 2021. I don't mind when GMs take gambles. That's the thing. We're seeing Just not on goalies. That's exactly. (laughs) I think you're in hindsight. But at that time, I mean, we we were just like thinking like, Okay, Jonathan Quick's time's coming to an end, and and Cal Peterson's yeah. supposed to be the heir apparent. So yeah, that was and, everybody's mindset and, at that point. And again, I think I think 
he was, as Brandon pointed out, he was coming off a pretty good season. He was coming off a really good world championships. So exactly, stock yeah. his stock was rising. It, it was. Um, I do just Drew, wonder. Drew though, Bauer was that same year. Uh, Frederick Anderson with the Maple Le- or the Hurricanes, Mrazek, were all signed within that same time span. Uh, well, I guess Holpe was a one-year deal with Dallas. But Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Again, and listen, Blake's not had many misses. That was that was a miss. You know, every GM's gonna have him. And he yeah. you know, he got out of it. And we don't have to talk about it anymore. Now the question is like what what happens in that now? I mean that that that'll be the big situation, right? Yeah, because the free agents I'd I'd written that I've written so for those curious, I did write a piece about potential free agents and then I wrote a piece about potential trade targets. Um so there are some options in both. Um, obviously, the trade targets are going to be costly. They're going to be costly multiple ways in assets and in um, cap because you're going to acquire a goalie that's got a, a number to them. I don't know what's there, and at least in the guys that I looked at from a trade standpoint, because now the Kings, again, they don't have a first. They just traded a second for next year. So... I don't know what they're trading. Um, and, you know, uh, at this point, I, so I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a Spence. Maybe they do trade now. They look to some of the forward prospects, right? Maybe it's a Pinelli. Maybe it's a Chromiak. Maybe it's somebody like this in a deal, in a package with, I don't know, maybe uh, an Alex Ayafalo or Victor Arvidsson to move money. You know, it, it this is or where Or you just gets, let the kids play. Let the kids play. It's tricky. Well, yeah, and so... The kicker is though, who who who's you have to sign a goalie, um, and I don't know they're going to get a goalie for like a million dollars. You know, you're 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 probably Matty Valalta. You're probably going to have to pay a couple million dollars for a how goalie. many fans would that scare going into next season with Matty Valalta and Phoenix Copley? Not as many as it would have been if it was Cal Peterson and Phoenix Copley. That's yeah, probably probably true. <laughs> Sandoval, no, I mean, that's, that's Sandoval comes in here. Go ahead. I'm not writing off Corpusalo not being re-signed. I could definitely Me see taking a little bit less of a deal to stay with LA, depending on how he liked his time here. It's it's weird. We just heard a lot about Gavrikov and how he acclimated so well to the to the locker room, but we never really heard much about Corpusalo because I think a lot of it had to do with his kind of personality matches a little bit of Copley's kind of stoic, or just calm demeanor personality. But I wonder if Corpusalo sees Gavrikov staying now. I wonder if that gives him a little bit more of an incentive to stay. Too. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he'll be that expensive. But I think but I think he could be the most expensive of the free agent goalies. Like when you Aiden, look at it, Tristan Jari, Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill could could make a boatload. I, uh, I don't want to say boatload. He could make a few That's going to be the scary who I, I I would not want to be a fan of the team that gives Aiden Hill a 15 million dollar deal. That's over under over under Campbell's deal for Aiden Hill under under. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think, but you know where he works though. It Carol, he'd work in Carolina. He worked Carolina and Vegas have goalie friendly systems. He would work in either one of those. Um, and listen, LA's not like a bad system per se. They're a good defensive structure team, but they're not quite to the level of those two, uh, in terms of the types of chances that they give up. Um, and now I'm with you, Russ. Like I'm not ruling out Corpus Allo. I just I do think like I look at the free agent goalies. I mean Varlamov's probably getting a one year deal. He may even stay on the island. 
Freddie Anderson could make more, but again, a 33-year-old dealt with a lot of injuries. He's a risky one. Tristan Jari couldn't make a save. So when I look at this list, Corpus Allo is upright. He's healthy. He, you know, he played pretty well down the stretch for the Kings, had an up and down playoff, but against one of the highest scoring teams in NHL history, really. So I wouldn't be surprised if he can make like a three. Hopefully teams are smartening up and they're not giving five by threes and five by fives. Maybe he's like a three by three type of goalie. But when I look, what goalie's getting that right now? I mean, he, yeah. he and I don't know. So that's what that's. I I actually think he could be one of the more attractive uh, free agent goalies um, that's available as a I would just, it, it would suck to be a free agent this summer because of the situation a lot of teams are in right now. Yeah, I think that's why Gabrikov was only wanted that two-year deal because once yeah. wants to hit that bag again. So do you think Corbisal would be like a one by three and then he goes and tries to play on a team that's probably going to get over 100 points for a full season? And well, then what's yeah, tricky. To... I wouldn't what's, be surprised. What's tricky about this is there's is there's the 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 potential trade market is pretty flooded. So you've got these UFA goalies. We'll see who hits UFA. Carolina's got two in Ranta and Anderson. We'll see if either of them make it. We'll see if um, uh, Varlamov makes it, right? We'll see if Hill makes it. But then you've got Connor Hellebuck, who could go. I don't think UC Cyrus gets traded, but his name's out there. Thatcher Demko could be back I mean, on the Kings market. asked, according to multiple they did. Uh, sources. Yeah. Um, you've got the two goalies. In um, you've got Toronto's got a couple of goaltenders because Matt Murray is still there under a terrible contract. Um, Samsonov is a free is a restricted free agent, and Hole is there. So there's three goalies. The Devils too, right? The Devils have a the Devils have um, Schmid, Mackenzie Blackwood's an RFA potential trade uh, for him, and Vanacek is under contract. Again, I t- talked about the Flames, Markstrom, Vladar, and Wolf. Do what Wolf is ready by all accounts, so there could be a goalie on the move there. There's a lot of potential movement between the pipes, so I, I, I don't know. And and again, going back to Vegas, like Logan Thompson, but we've seen them; they don't care. They could easily win a cup with Aiden Hill, and he's out the door. That would that surprise anybody? The way Vegas operates. Um, you know, I mean, he, he, cause he could just command too much money and they could roll it back with, with Thompson and Laurent Bressois. They could just re-sign Bressois to a cheap deal because he's coming off an injury. So like there's, there's a lot of potential movement in, in the goaltending market right now. So I genuinely don't know where it goes. Some free agents here. You got obviously quick will be a free agent. That's not, he's not coming back for Volomov. Bishop, Anderson, Bernier, Talbot, Jari, Kudobin. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Alex uh, Nilovich Nidelkovic. from Detroit. Nidelkovic. That's yeah. a reclamation project. Mm-hmm. J- uh, James Reimer. I mean, there's you got Aiden Hill, Mike Smith, Antti Ranta, Corey Schneider. I mean, a lot of these guys are super old. but Or I mean, hurt. Or hurt, yeah. But there's tons of guys out there. I mean, there's so many names. I mean, Martin Jones, would that be – you know, he had no, a decent season. No, for no, 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 absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> like the names, the names I would, 
I would be okay with on that list. Varlamov. I think I actually think Varlamov's would be a, a solid guy to pair with Copley. Neither of them have to play a. Wasn't trying time. to give you a, car, a heart attack. I'm just naming the names. Like I, I think Varla, when looking at free agents and excluding trade talk right now, like Varlamov, I think is a a. Go look at that guy's numbers. He's a consistent NHL goaltender. He, you know, at 35, he's not going to be playing a heavy workload. But I think if he shares with Copley, the Kings are in good shape. I'm a Freddie Anderson guy. I think he's really good when healthy. That's a big if. But if he's only sharing the load, maybe not such a bad thing. Uh, no interest in Tristan Jari. Guy can't make us. He he really really struggled at times last year and suffered a couple big injuries. So I'm nervous about him. Nadelkovich is interesting if you believe in a potential reclamation project, but boy, was he terrible last year. Anti-Ranta I've always been a fan of, but he can't stay healthy. You know who I really like here is, is Yaro Halak. The kicker is he's perfect as a true backup. Like the Kings don't have a number one. Copley isn't like a one, but I think Halak would be a really solid as a, as a legit two, but I, I don't know that I pair him. So I don't know. I don't know if any of those names interest you, Russ. And and there's a chance not so, any of them hit the market. Like for the last four years, for the last four years, you, I was looking up Verlano's stats for you there, Joe. Uh, you know, he's he's since 19, 45 games, 36, 31, 23. So his games have decreased. Look but at, you're looking at But you're looking at 262, 204, 291, 27, and then save percentage 914, 929, 911, 913. Just solid. He's, he, you know, the only problem is, is this, he plays for the Islanders. The Islanders stack five bodies in front of the net. And no, the, Kings play play one, the Kings play a 1 3 1 and aren't True. exactly a bad True. defensive team. So I, I think he would be okay. You, you, don't, you don't see UC Soros getting traded? I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say no just because. I don't know that Barry Trotz comes in and trades like the face of the franchise right off the hop. Maybe, I hey, I like, maybe. I, I feel like they just want to turn a new leaf and just let Askarov just take the reins there. Didn't Askarov just lose his job in the playoffs? Isn't he not even not not even starting? Oh, I don't know. I didn't Did I miss that. that? I could have missed. Maybe it was I just one game. I liked with him doing push-ups with. I know who was the goal of the year though. Jesper Walset. Was, was he really? Oh, yeah. don't, don't remind I, me. I still want Brand Clark. You're not going to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Still want Brand Clark. <laughs> I want to say Askarov lost his gig, or at least temporarily, in these playoffs um, in the last round. I'll look it up. The AHL stats here in a second. But, oh, man, I mean, if the Kings would have figured out a way to trade into the first round and got Clark and Walsta. We wouldn't be in this situation right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. I mean, could hey. you imagine if the Kings had a goalie like Walsta in the system? I mean, we we'd be in heaven talking about the situation the Kings are in for the future. Well, but like I always say, when you say that, Russ, the Kings are—they want to win now. He doesn't help them now. If the King, the Kings are talking about being Cup contenders now, he would help them next year. You don't would he? I don't know. Yeah, I don't would know. he? I think Walsta could come in and, and these goalies—they take time. They're gonna—they take time. Not a lot of them. Look at some of these guys come in. They struggle. They take a little bit. Yeah, but he could be paired with Copley this year. And you know Copley can do the job. Do we? That's the thing. I think think some of these – I wonder if some of these younger goalies or just even some of the the goalies that come into the league, I wonder if if 
this whole splitting time maybe hurts them a little bit. I, well, what's it's funny you mentioned that. And now Askarov played uh, 12, 12 games, so he played most of the games. I don't see another. Um, but other he didn't Milwaukee play. Goalie yeah, played four. De, de, yeah, yeah, but he's played oh, the he's, last four. Yeah, he quite played the last four of them. I think he's played the last four. But his playoff stats weren't that bad. I mean, 2-7, 2-7-0, 9-0-3. Yeah, I think because what's his name? Uh, Devin Cooley has played at least the last two or three games. Um, and again, I don't know that I haven't like been following it, like watching it. So I have no idea like what happened to cause it. But um, anyways, like um, I'm interested to see you mentioned that rest with the young goalies, like the whole situation in Buffalo with Devin Levi, because what went kind of under the radar a little bit with the whole trade with the Philly in L.A. was there was a report that Carter Hart could be on the move soon. And that perked up a lot of people, me included, because I still say, hey, is there anything with the Kings? But a lot of Buffalo folks are like, this, this could be interesting. And it's like, you, you got Devin Levi, who just came in and stole the show last Monster. year. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Like, he seems, like, Buffalo seems a great fit for, for Hellebuck, a one-year guy to kind of bridge that or even John Gibson for that matter to kind of bridge that with, with Levi. But, but yeah, I'm wondering too, Russ, because a guy like Levi that where's, is he going to play as a, I I just, I feel like you can't hand that kid the reins. I mean, we've seen goalies play well. Carter Hart, Carter Hart was really good. Carter Hart's also really struggled at times. Yeah. Same with Spencer Knight was really bad. Then kind of bounced back. Like, and it's a position where, you kind of like it's better to have these guys in the minors for at least a couple seasons, like you're seeing with Wallstead and Askarov. Let them let them get used to the pro game because, especially if you're looking at a team, depends on the team. Like Buffalo, they're going to want to make playoffs next year. So, do you want to give Levi 45 games? That's a lot for really to, to to for a team that wants to make playoffs. I think that's I think that's a tall ask. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. Like the that's Jedi, why the Jedi will come through. Another team you mentioned there is Florida with Spencer Knight. I wonder what happens there with yeah. Bobrovsky having this resurgence a little bit here. I mean, he's still signed for, I think forever. Three, yeah. Two or three more years is about $10 million. And I know the, Spencer Knight's the going The ESPN through. contract is shorter than his. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know he's going through a little bit of off ice issues there, but I mean, I've always liked that player. I thought, I thought well, Spencer Knight's in therapy. Yeah, yeah, he's in player assistance. Off ice yeah. issues or something like that. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Alex I've... Leon, UFA, Lion, Lion. Hey, that could be an option. We'll see. Got plenty of goalies to talk about, and we got all summer to talk about them. So we'll see how that works out. Appreciate all you fans coming in here. The chat was electric tonight. Thank you guys for uh, for being in there and talking back and forth. We appreciate it. Smash that like button. Help us out. Uh, go comment in there. That helps all our algorithms. So appreciate you guys. Find all of our articles at HockeyRoyalty.com. Go get yourself some merch, some new uh, some new reads while you're on the can. Check out and subscribe to all of our uh, Twitter feeds at the bottom, Hockey Ro- ho- underscore Royalty, Rando Commando 24, NHL Russell, and JW Panarino. If you want all your rain coverage, Kopitar 4HOF. DraftKings code THPN if you want to try to win some money here for the rest of these playoffs. Will Florida get swept? You want to bet that? I'm sure there are odds for that at this moment. Uh, So appreciate you guys. And as always on this podcast, go Kings go.